I'm James Ingram, and welcome to Make My Logo Bigger, where we speak with creatives in the ad business. Today, we are thrilled to welcome the one, the only Ian Deans to the studio. Ian is a multinational and international creative award winner, an incredibly talented copywriter, and now holds the title of Senior Counsel Creative Strategy after serving as National Public Relations Atlantic's Executive Creative Director. That's a tongue twister. Ian is an open book and his story goes far beyond his creative ability. I first got to know Ian back when he worked at Extreme Group and was immediately struck by his passion for strong strategic and creative thinking, along with his love for baseball, of course. We have a lot to cover, so let's get right into it. Well, why don't we start with a recap? Just give us a quick summation of your journey from Queen's University to National Public Relations. Okay, so that's quite a journey. So this where you, you speak really quickly? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll sum it up as quick as I can. So I graduate from Queen's with a three-year BA in four years because uh, I switched majors like nine times. Had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, discovered very quickly that I made more money babysitting in grade eight than I ever did publishing short stories or poems. Um, so... Uh, uh, graduate, take off, go to go to Eastern Europe, do the thing. And while I'm there, I had applied to theater school and I had applied to Humber Copywriting because I had no idea what copywriting was, but I was told, you know, you get paid to think. Um, and I was right. like, oh, right, advertising. How old are you now when this is happening? Oh, God, like 22. Yeah. Yeah. It, no plan at all to do this. Anyway, I was in Prague and uh, my parents, uh, I called my parents and they said, hey, you got into Humber for copywriting. I was like, oh, oh okay. Um, no plan at all. Come home go to Humber, do the one-year copywriting program, do an internship at a great agency. That agency uh, gets bought. I get kicked to the curb. Um, and this will be the first time I ran away from the business. I went and worked in a bookstore for for most of a year. And then Jenny Smith, uh, now of Ray Agency, uh, the yeah. firm she owns, right? Her and I had gotten to Humber together and she recruited me wow, uh, to come out here that. Yeah, to work at um, CCL, uh, which then became Color and whatnot. Yes. So did three years there. Uh, then decided, okay, I got to get out of Halifax. I want to try something new. Cause I only planned to come out there for like a year. Like I only thought I was going to come here and do a hit and run, but kind of fell in love what with What year the place. is it now? 98. Yeah. Yeah. So 98, 2001. I'm at CCL. Go to Montreal to work for an agency called Armada because my old art director, Julian, had gone there and I really liked working with them and I want to live in a like different city. Yeah. I last one year in Montreal. Discovered very quickly that for me, Montreal was a great place to visit. Maybe not the best place for me to live. And I'd met my wife. Great place to party. Oh, yeah. Yes. And trust me, 26, 27, 28 yeah. year old Ian, uh, it was a perfect place for me to be. Um, honed my drinking in Halifax and then really doubled down yeah. in Montreal. Anyway, perfected it. Perfected it. Got down to a science. So anyway, meet my wife, move back to Toronto where she is, try to leave the business again. Uh, spent one year on client side at Sandhill College, discovered very quickly that I hate it, that that I'm an agency guy. Like everything else is boring and slow. Yeah. Come back, uh, work <laughs> for CCL again for a summer. Don't know why I do that. Didn't work out for me. And Tyson Hines and I. Uh, right. Is Michael Schur there too? And, and he's long, Chester, yeah, they're gone. They're long gone okay. by that point. So uh, Tyson and I end up at Extreme. Yeah. And remember that. That is like my first place, I think, where like I blossom, right? Had a great time there. Uh, shout out Sean King. 
Yeah. Um, those are great years. Oh, it was, if you wanted excitement in advertising, you were in the right place. Oh yeah. It was, it was awesome. Um, and and we had a blast, you know, picked up awards, did all kinds of great stuff. Uh, go from being copywriter to ACD to co-CD with Anthony Tafe. And then again, I kind of hit this place where I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do this right now. And like walk away from it, try freelancing for a little while. That was fine. I decided I want to go back to agency, go work somewhere that shall remain unnamed. Yes. Uh, Worst place I ever worked get laid off from that place and i'm like okay i've reached my bottom right this is the worst yeah uh, start freelancing again and sue love um yeah. told me that uh then mtnl needed a writer for something yeah. and i'm like okay a pr firm sure was king there then uh at mtnl yeah oh no long gone that right. was a he whole, was there for a minute too yeah it's a whole other era right yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was paul williams who was there that's CD, right wow right yeah so i go there i didn't even bring like my portfolio or anything i was like a pr firm like just show me the collateral you want me to write or whatever well, it turns out it's this amazing place yeah um best kept secret in the city uh it's developing this whole sort of integrated approach and all this stuff and one day i stopped leaving yeah and that was nine years ago wow so here I am. What a journey since then. You're at National now. We absolutely love mm-hmm. working for National, mostly because we feel so respected and appreciated mm-hmm. that we just want to jump through every hoop possible to please. Mm-hmm. What is it like internally there, working there? It's special. Yeah. There's a reason I've been there for nine years. The culture there is is pretty remarkable in the sense that it is, in fact, quite flat. Um, there aren't really silos between, you know, digital, creative, integrated, uh, PA and all that stuff. We hire really smart people and give them room to be smart, um, which is great. And you know, I talk a lot about this thing I call the multiplier sort of effect, and I think that's like business language now. But the idea is that a really good multiplier makes the people around them better. And national is full of them, you know? So you're always working with people who make you better. You work hard to make them better. I'm glad to hear we treat you well um, because you we, we work hard at that. So it's, it's interesting. It's almost ego-free. You know, it's just a place to do good good work. And, you know, I've always joked that when people need adults, they call us. Um, And it's, yeah, it's a remarkable place. I mean, a couple of Hall of Fame managing partners, too, and Sarah Young and Kevin McCann, right? Like, the leadership is so solid. Yeah. Anyway, I always felt respected. Feels like home. Yeah. 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 Can't imagine working anywhere else right now. I mean, I'm sure maybe it's not for everybody, but it seems to suit your personality and what you bring. Yeah, which was kind of unexpected. I mean, I've been a pure creative for so long as a copywriter or as a ACD or CD that it never occurred to me um, how much I loved the pure strategy side of the business. Did they allow you to tap into that? Like, Oh, yeah. 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 I'm, you know, very early in my stay there, I started getting into sort of the quote narrative side of the business, you know, the storytelling uh, that takes place throughout. And um, it was a perfect place for a copywriter. You know, it's it's a writing-based discipline about trying to find the story behind whatever it is you're working on. Started doing that relatively early, and now it's my thing. You know, it's yeah. where I spend all my time. I wonder, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that National Public Relations was a PR firm and then adopted the creative yeah, and I, services that they have this respect for creative that maybe other agencies don't have? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for other agencies in town anymore because I've been I've been at National the whole time. But um, it is 
uh, I always felt like an equal partner. Yeah. You know, and, and Sarah and Kim West and Jay McMillan and the, the others who started MTNL or took over MTNL before it became national designed it to be integrated from the ground up. Yeah. So creative, digital, et cetera, I've always had to see at the table. I've always thought it was a genius model. Mm-hmm. You know, you come in for how you enter as a client to do, to have you guys do their PR work. And then it becomes pretty obvious that, well, there's a communication aspect to this too. Well, and they come in for all kinds of reasons now. I mean, we've got straight marketing clients. We've got, you know, there's the public affairs GR end of the business and these things tend to flow together. But I think, you know, originally way back when, you know, people would be thinking, okay, PR first. But as the agency has developed its muscles creatively, digitally, and things like that, people come to us for that. Do you have the largest creative department in National in, in Halifax? Or like, I'm just wondering across Canada, are there... Because yeah, you have so much resource and, and support. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah. The network is crazy. a powerhouse. Yeah. Um, you know, there are other creative pockets throughout. You know, there's there's uh, activity in Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. But we are the ones who I think probably are the most integrated. I think that's all happening across the yeah, thing. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I don't know. In some ways, I think we set the pace for that. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you worked freelance. Yeah. On and off. Yeah. What, what is what is your preference? I mean, when freelance is at its best, and now the position you have, all arguably being the best, what is what is your preference? You like where you're at now? Yeah, I love where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, you know, again, freelance is great. Uh, I think for there's a certain balance and freedom to it that's really appealing. There's also an ambient anxiety um, that is always hanging. Like you know what it's like. You're yes. waiting for work, right? Yes. Is something going to come along? You're always hustling and stuff like that. And it was great. Um, the second time I went freelance before I joined National, I made some deliberate choices. I was like, I'm not going to bill the most. I'm going to bill a reasonable amount of money. I knew exactly what I needed to like make the mortgage type thing. Yes. I'm like, I'm going to focus on on just protecting that. Meaning, yeah, just to enough to avoid those awkward conversations with your wife. Absolutely. And also billing low enough that I didn't feel obligated Mm -hmm. um, to eat shit. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not charging you a ton of money. And what I love to do was I was never the freelancer who would like hang around your office and bill. Like I'd come in, I'd do my thing. And if you didn't need me anymore, you're gone. I left, you know, and it was funny. Again, I was in that mindset right around the time. I'm like, hey, National, you and I should get married. Um, Like never would have expected it. Yeah. But it's interesting. I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people go freelance, obviously, since 2020, right? As part of the great resignation and things like that. And it's a funny thing. I don't know that I would do it again because here's my fear. As people flee agency, you end up with a pool of freelancers. And I always worry that it could end up just becoming gig economy. Yeah. You know, like, and you give up a lot of the benefits of agency, whether that's the mutual support, the benefits, the, you know, all that sort of stuff to to have resources. Yeah. 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 And, and it's always, yeah, it's something that's on my mind these days as I see more and more people go freelance. I'm worried that creative becomes disposable, mm. you know, um, and, you know, maybe that's a cynic in me, but. Uh, no, I think it's a legitimate fear. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we're living in a gig economy. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's been pronounced since COVID. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we're lucky in the city. There are some gifted, gifted freelancers who yeah. have, you know, longstanding relationships with agencies, but I, I don't know. I see I know. a trend and I worry. Yeah. It's funny. You know, uh, we've already mentioned some of the names like Sue Love works freelance. Mm-hmm. She's sought after. She's um, one of the best at it. Oh yeah. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see her back in an agency again full time. No, totally. And that's a, that's a decision, yes. right? And she works 
hard at that. Yeah. Uh, and, and so do, you know, the Sarah Orfords and the, the, you know, Mackenzie Georges and the other freelancers yeah. who are out yeah. there. That's a lot of hustle. Yeah. And I certainly don't judge them for it, but I do worry about the long-term implications of more and more people deciding to go freelance. Yeah. I, it'll be revealed, I guess, but yeah. So this is kind of funny because I had asked you a question and you about working as an art director and senior copywriter, the difference in your career and which discipline do you, re- you know, do you prefer? And you shut that down. You said, alas, I went from copywriter right to CD. Yeah. I, I can so mer- I, but I find that really interesting because I always, when as a photographer and I'm working with a copywriter and an art director, mm-hmm. you're a married couple in oh, my yeah. mind most of the time. You're a partnership. It's an intense relationship. Yeah. Like I feel comfortable talking about art direction with you as I would with Tyson. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I think actually, you know, Tyson and I, I think we're my most successful partnership. Tyson and I worked on and off with each other for a long time. And I think Tyson's had, so hard to get along with. Yeah. Though, what a, right? what a hard headed uh, man. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, yeah. again, I think that was part of the secret of our relationship is yeah. I, I had to be paired with a stoic, um, yeah. just to <laughs> balance me out. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, any good partnership, whether it was a partnership I was in or a partnership I saw as a CD, there was a commonality in the ability for both partners to speak each other's language, yeah. right? So I'm a copywriter, sometimes thinks in images mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I'm like, how little can we write uh, yes. to, to make this work, right? And Tyson could write, you know, and so the back, there was a back and forth where, you know, I hold up my ridiculous doodle and he drops his headline in it and somehow it works out, yeah. but never formally trained as an art director um, or a designer for that matter. Right. And uh, it meant I always had to surround myself with really good ones, uh, especially as a creative director. Uh, if you're a copywriter, creative director, you need to have another set of eyes. Yeah. And I've always had it and it's been great. Yeah. You need that compliment. Yeah. I mean, you can read the text, but you need the compliment. It's a discipline, visionary. right? Yes, it is. Like I don't see what they see. Yeah. Um, and that's why you partner people. That's yeah. why you put copywriters with art directors. That's why we always have that discussion about readability of images and where the eye goes and what role contrast and color and all that oh, stuff yeah. plays in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can speak the language to a point, but I would yeah. never uh, say that. I, oh yeah, I can art direct. Many would. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> so when you're bringing in, when you know a new client is on board yeah. with National, what, is, what do you guys try to do to with that client in order to kind of bring them into the fold, make them feel? Well, blind? something that's baked into the culture, and this goes all the way back, is the notion that listening is the most powerful tool. Um, clients will tell you everything. If you just sit down and shut up and shut up and listen to them. So, you know, a big part of getting to know the client is, is to set aside that kind of time to just like, what are we doing? You know, what, what, what are we actually getting at for you? How do you want to work? You know, cause everybody's got these totally different work styles and, and we'll, we'll mirror it, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into just sort of ensuring that the chemistry is correct. Yes. But listening by far is the thing that you start with because they'll tell you things and then sometimes they won't realize what they're telling you. And part of our job is to go, actually, I think this is what you might be getting. And I guess it also depends on their mindset when they come in. Like maybe they just came out of a very disappointing relationship with another agency or things aren't going well or, oh yeah, you know, I mean, part of it is therapy, right? For oh them. yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I talk about that quite a bit, but yeah. um, it is interesting. And again, at National, we have all kinds of clients coming through the door, right? Yeah. There are clients having the worst day of their lives, mm. you know, who are, are, are their own sort of situation that needs to be dealt with. There are longstanding clients that you're you're trying to stay fresh for and bring new ideas to. And then there are those clients that come in for the very first time and you have no idea what their old relationship was like, yeah. or, you know, maybe during the pitch process, you've learned about them. But again, it all starts with listening, like yeah. active listening. So this is something I'm really interested in. And you, um, we had a look at this. You had written a great article around uh, narrative, the idea of narrative mm -hmm. in storytelling and everything and how important that is. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. I mean, narrative, it's funny. I almost don't like the word narrative because I think it, it, it sounds um, kind of funny. Really, we're talking about stories and talking about stories can also feel really cliche. You know, we're all storytellers. Yes, you know, yes. like, uh -huh. But narrative, and, and I talk about this a lot, is like a story you need to tell or have to tell, right? So it's something of vital importance. Uh, you know, are you trying to express the soul of your brand? Are you trying to demonstrate what, where you'll win? Like you're trying to get to like real primary color stuff. It's primal stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that's, what's fascinating yes. about it and helping people figure out what that is sometimes or helping them understand that what they thought it is, isn't actually it, yeah. that there's a deeper uh, story yeah. they can get into. And I mean, that takes place at all kinds of scale. Like you do narratives sometimes that are just like event based. They're for a moment in time. Do you have an example of one quickly that you think uh, you really it's, like? I'll give you a, a theoretical example in that, you know, a quick narrative might be for something like maybe there's a government relations play going on or a client is trying to uh, find their way into a community and build a little bit of social yeah. license and things like that. Yeah, this is great. I mean, more general examples. Yeah. So what's the story at the center of that? Right. That is the truth. Yes. Um, and, and how can it be expressed in a way that is true for the client yeah. and also, you know, true for whoever they're talking to, yes. you know? So that's on like a really small scale. Um, you know, there's campaign narrative, uh, which is, you know, what's the story of this thing we're about to do for several months or mm. years. And then there's the, the big ones, um, the big brand narratives, uh, or the, the ones that are trying to get at the deep purpose, uh, of, of who you are and why you get out of bed and why anyone else should care. You know, yeah. it's funny. It's a weird, it's a weird part of the business. I had never heard of it until I set foot in a PR firm. And I don't know if you can speak to this, but I, when you're speaking, the one that jumps out at me is the Halifax Port Authority rebrand. Oh, whew. yeah. Perfect example. That one was amazing. Yes. Um, and you guys did a great job on that. I Thank mean, you. Beautiful work. Yeah. We loved it. We're, we're deeply grateful for that. Um, that's a really interesting one because we, we have a client who has strong sense of, of where they want it to go. Been um, here for hundreds of years. Absolutely. I mean, it is the nervous system of the city in many ways. It's the reason the city exists. You know, we had this great port and the British were like, yeah, it's a great place to park warships. Um, yeah. But, you know, a city grew up around it and it's still part of our lifeblood. So getting to work on that and help the port really express who they are and why they matter. And the fact that the port is like a, a shared thing. Like if you live in the city of Halifax, you're part of it. You know, it's not just container ships coming and going. It's the whole lifeblood of the waterfront. It's backbone of chunks of the economy. Like Integrated. Yeah. Yeah. So working on something like that 
uh, was amazing. And, you know, it's something we say at national all the time. We'd like to be in the middle of big things. Yeah. I like and, that. Yeah. And the, the port is one of those really big things and, and shout out to the client, um, cause they had a strong vision, you know, uh, from the top all the way down yes. and it was really just helping them capture that and express it. You didn't have to really sell it to them. I, I got that impression that it came almost from them, that they were very, yeah. they felt strongly about integrating the port in the city and making it one. Yeah. They, they had a vision. They yeah. understood um, what they could be, uh, and and that was amazing. Yeah, you know, so that was one of those cases where you get to tell a big story. Yeah, and you have a client who's fully embracing it uh, and wants it yeah. uh, so bad. And yeah, I think that's a big part of the reason the work is so good. Yeah, um, you know, it's the classic. You find a client who's a good partner. You have yeah. a shared vision, and you go chase it. And you and and for us, for a job like that, when you have that buy-in, you you just really want to die on the hill for that. Oh, and you guys did. I mean, that yeah. was a long and complicated. Well, we felt like we did a couple of times. Yeah. Well, it was a tough one, right? Because well, we're yeah, building we shots around container ships that are coming and going. You know? Yeah. I think Mark almost had a nervous <laughs> breakdown when we were doing it. But yeah, you know, you've, you're chasing weather, you're chasing light, you're chasing container ships to be in the right absolute position oh, with yeah. your talent in the foreground at the exact time. What exactly. could go wrong? Yeah. And I mean, geez, again, uh, props to the client on, on helping yes. manage all the logistics they of that. And they were great. The, oh, yeah. I mean... They, they made it easier. Um, yeah. And, and obviously your flexibility uh, went a long way, but we're really proud of that work. Yeah. And, you know, we learn a lot just as a citizen here, as someone that lives here, you know, when you start to look at these avenues, these corridor streets mm-hmm. with container ships passing by at the bottom of them, you realize like they're, they're it's indelible. Well, it's funny. It becomes almost like background noise for yeah. us. Like you forget. That's right. You, you forget about it. You forget how awesome it is yeah. to you know look out the window and uh, see these incredible container ships yeah. or naval vessels or shit even jet skis you know like you have this yeah. living port uh, yeah. that's all around you it's it's pretty cool i mean again that's an amazing story for the city i mean the the fact that we can again well, you know you, you didn't grow up here but i can even remember in elementary school going to mcnab's island and my youngest son just did that uh-huh. and they went swimming oh wow off mcnab's island like that's amazing that is amazing well again you know that's that's new halifax yeah right the city has has changed a lot but yeah i mean shit i can barely swim at the best of times right. i'm not about to jump in the harbor and you know that have that be my swan song yeah, yeah. The, the other thing i want to ask you about is the idea of corporate therapy Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, this is something I came across, you know, working on narrative because narrative is shared, right? We don't just go in and deliver somebody's story and go, this is who you are. It's something that you have to Mm -hmm. co-create, which is pretty cool because if you don't co-create it, they're not going to live it, right? And a a narrative that somebody... You mean buy-in. You need everybody to buy-in. Oh, yeah. They've they've got to believe it about themselves, Yes. right? And we push you know, to, to make sure that, um, you know, they're, they're really thinking about it. Uh, but the corporate therapy thing came from, you know, we do workshops for narrative, uh, you know, and often those, well, the last couple of years they've been largely remote, but the ones we do in person, sometimes would be in the room with a group of people and ideally they're from all over the organization. Yes. You're working through these exercises and stuff. And every once in a while I'd be in a room and I'd be like, I don't think you guys have ever talked to each other. 
or this is the first time you've dug into something like this as a team. Mm -hmm. And you realize that part of your job uh, coming up with narrative is helping them talk to each other a little bit. You know, and we use tools that provide them with a vocabulary. Like we do card sorts with adjectives on them, because Mm -hmm. if you ask somebody to define who they are, they'll probably just say the same thing over and over again. But getting them to work with fresh language and stuff like that creates. So uh, distracting them from their old habits, communication habits. A little bit. And, And often, you know, you get you'll split a group into multiple groups and you'll have them present back and forth to each other the defendants that's it like and see what they say and see what they come back with and yeah i think it's you know you're helping yes an organization figure out who they are yeah i mean it's therapy you know it is and i love it like i love doing workshops yeah Uh, it's the most fascinating part of the business is to sit in there with people and and really help them work their way through it so how alarming is it that the when you go through that process what comes out of it like is it seismic shift in some cases I think in some cases it's a big leap, you know, somebody's really decided that they, they want to be a bolder version of themselves. They want to live a more, they want to actually live the brand. They want to take the mission statement off the wall. They want to blow it up. Yeah. I want to do something. Um, you know, sometimes it's not that revolutionary. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just a question of honing something, but occasionally you'll have people, clients will come through the door who who really, really need to dig into this thing and figure out what they're about. And sometimes I think they're really surprised on the other side. Wow. It's funny because again, 90% of it is listening. They're going to tell you everything if you're paying attention and they might not realize what they're saying or where their discussion is going or whatever, but we're watching and we're listening and we're plucking these things out. And that's all those years of public relations training, right? That side of the business, that initial intake, a lot of it. I think so. I think so. I mean, it's different from advertising. Yes, it is. I mean, the boundaries between those two disciplines are porous at, you know, at very least. Yes. Um, but there are certain things that I discovered over on this side of the, the business that were a little different. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I think the, the narrative workshops are always fascinating, especially, you know, we'll break out these toys, right? We'll get them to do the card sorts with the adjectives. Who are you? Who are you not? Who do you want to be? Uh, you know, make them sort out like 200 words and then make them cut that down to five or do <laughs> use picture sorts sometimes. Um, but I'll use it. It's like a Rorschach inkblot test. Like yeah. if you have a visual client who isn't thinking in words, sometimes you just put a whole bunch of pictures in front of them. You go, what are these ones like speak to you? How do they feel? whatever and again you're just prodding them to express themselves uh sometimes in a brand new way wow yeah it's 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 good times like yeah that really is there's nowhere to hide there no and in a good way in a good way you know and these are uh positive experiences i think for clients in in that you know you're really helping them yeah uh figure things out and again you know fresh thinking well and once they start talking to each other in the room that's actually where the real nuggets are, right? Yeah. You get them doing these things to start expressing themselves, but then they'll start talking to each other about like, you're doing a card cert with words. And one of the words is pioneering. And they might debate that word, uh, you know, for like 10 minutes. Are we, are we not? What does pioneering mean versus yeah. innovative? Mm-hmm. I believe we're this, I believe we're that. That's usually where the gold is. You right. know, we'll be roaming the room listening. And, and sometimes it's just like a little exchange they have where you go, oh, that's who you are. Wow. Yeah. That would be, that would seem very obvious, but at the same time, not. No, no. And I mean, again, you want people in the room who aren't all marketing or comms people. 
right? Because they come with a built-in vocabulary yeah. and, you know, often have been trying to express the story themselves. You want to have, you know, like the, you know, CFO, you yeah. know, the finance lady, something like that, who will come in there. Leaders that are in the company. Well, who doesn't, you know, maybe don't even think about this stuff. Yes. Um, and they come at it from a totally different angle. Uh, one of the best workshops we ever did, Halifax Convention Center, longstanding yeah. client. Yeah. Um, and we were sorting out that brand when it was still a, a hole in the ground. Yeah. Um, we started working on narrative stuff a lot and we were sort of coming in for a landing on their story, one of the things we did was bring in a whole bunch of people from the organization and talk about, okay, how would you live this? You know, like these are just words until you assign action to them. Yes. The pastry chef was there. Um, he was great. You know, right. like it's, it's that kind of vibe where the unusual gets mixed in. Cause yeah. if you sit in a room that's just comms people or marketing people, they'll default, you know, to, to their language or whatever. And that's totally to be expected. You have to work a little harder with them, but it's when you have a really good mix. Like I, I want operations there. Yeah. I want, I want the people from the warehouse, you know, like yeah. bring in the boots on the ground as well as the executive, as well as marketing. Like let's get a nice mix of people uh, together and see what and that makes happens. total sense. Yeah. And I guess that's sometimes where the corporate therapy comes from. Yeah. You know, and again, what's nice about that is you give everybody a voice, you include everybody, you make them feel important. Like uh, they're what they have to say is useful to us. Oh, absolutely. And if they don't so want to changes everything right away. Well, I got a line I use all the time now, which is a, a narrative that belongs to you and not to them doesn't exist. Exactly. Right. So if you create a narrative with um, the executive group and they're like, this is it, this is our story. And then they hold tightly to it and control how it's expressed. It might as well just be a frame diploma. It's, yeah, it's not going to live. They're cheat notes. They're yeah. Not, yeah. And I, I want to sit down with people who, who might live it in really odd ways. Like again, you know, <laughs> it was the, um, the folks in the Halifax Convention Center kitchen who really you know, dug into that central um, O shape uh, yeah. that we use as part of the branding and started making donuts, yeah. you know, that were in the same color. And you're like, oh shit, they're living it. They're trying to bring it to life. I would probably bet that no one's asked them what they thought before. Who knows? Who knows? But you know, yeah. um, like before they come in the room, I have no idea what they've no, talked about. No. Usually I, it's funny when I run those sessions, I talk about it as sort of being like dumb and curious is how yeah. I like to come in the room. I, I need to know a bit about you. Um, yeah. so that I'm, I'm not wasting your time making you rehash basic stuff, but I also want to be just a little bit oblivious because that'll make me curious. Just an open book. Yeah. I'm going to poke. Yeah. Help me understand. Show me why. Prove mm. that this is true. Um, mm -hmm. this thing you say you are, how do I know that's not hot air? What are yeah. you doing to support that? Like, it's cool. Yeah. So you enforce them to engage. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it belongs to them, yes. not me. Yes. Right. Like at the end of the day, they are going to live it or not. So yeah. So they, what did you discover out of that? If you can speak to it for, for HCC? Well, I think HCC was a great example of a, a group that again, strong leadership, right? Good point of view. Um, they were all hands on deck as a client and going through major changes. Oh, again, hole in the ground, right? Like we're trying to help them uh, yeah. build this brand while there's, there's, there's no building. I think, you know, what you discover with a client who, who really understands what they're doing is they'll make it their own very quickly. Like you'll see them doing stuff uh, with it. And HCC is a great example of that. Yes. A lot of clients who work on narrative, I think, get excited by it and, and go, oh, I can see the possibilities here. I can see how we're actually living this. I can yeah. see the plans we need to make to make this story true. Um, and if they follow through on it, it's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. 
you know, if it was our, if, you know, if I was in a company and you guys came in and you were working with us, mm -hmm. I would feel uh, that no stone had been unturned. I would feel like I'm really being serviced, that you're really digging to find out what the essence is. Oh, yeah. Because well, without that, there's no real moving forward. Well, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Here? Like, are we, you know, I, I don't think anyone just wants to work somewhere that doesn't matter. You know, like it has, if there's not something at its root that is what gets you out of bed, yes. like why bother? Exactly. Um, and sometimes, you know, people need help figuring out what that is. Yeah. But they I might have lost that a little bit. Sometimes, you yeah. know, sometimes it's just been a long time since they thought about it or, yeah. or maybe they've gone sideways. Or anyone's asked them. Yeah, that's a big yeah. part of it. I mean, you asked me again about like what are yeah. the traits at National, and I, I think one of the ones I would I would point to as well is sustained curiosity. Ah, I love that. Right, like it's yes. it, we we never get tired of asking questions. Yeah. I am fascinated by all of their businesses. You know, like I I, I, I want to know, like yeah. what what is this? Why do you do this? Why do you care? You yeah. know, that stuff never gets tired. And I think again, curiosity and listening go hand in hand. I think it's part of who we are in a sense too, you know, my, oh. I drive my kids crazy because I always want to talk to the Checo person or whoever. <laughs> I just love talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I find it very funny because like at root, um, yes. antisocial introvert, um, professionally, wildly curious and yeah. social. It's yeah. a very funny comment. I know the feeling. Yeah. Uh, you've been very open about health struggles that you've had. Sure. Um, how do I put this? So is being, being a creative help mm -hmm. with that? hurt with that how does the how do those two things go together okay so that's a complicated question and it's it's a fun and i am very open about it i was actually joking with my wife that if the marriage ever ended i'm in deep trouble because my my dating profile would be like <laughs> bipolar recovering alcoholic with ms you know like it's <laughs> not a great combo yeah. um i think if mine wouldn't be much better yeah it's, <laughs> i think it's it's interesting does working in creative help with that i don't know i think there's some romantic myths um that we've all run into right about the hard working hard drinking uh creative and stuff like that in some cases that that image can be really enabling i mean i had a great time yeah. being a rotten person the uh, dylan for, thomas effect yeah, yeah yeah you start thinking it's a thing and i think really in some cases that's like i know in my case I was talented enough to keep around, but yeah. if I had been my own creative director back then, I think I would have been like, dude, get your shit together. Right. Interesting. Um, but nobody was really talking that way. So when I finally got um, diagnosed, you know, and I'd been treated for depression, I'd, you know, I'd obviously quit drinking and things like that, but I was never properly diagnosed as bipolar two until quite late in my career. And I look back on it, I'm like, okay, I benefited from that in some ways, because when you're hypomanic, you can walk on clouds, right? Yeah. And I can point to moments in my career where I was like, oh, I was flying then. Yeah. Like I, the dots were connecting, you know, I had the these, ideas were flying. Yeah, I was having this burst or, you know, I totally eat a room presenting you know things yes. like that um so i benefited a little bit but i also paid a an ugly price by by being uh untreated yeah um and i think there's a lot of creative people and again it's sort of a romantic myth but in some ways it's true or carrying around uh some undiagnosed uh neuroses or whatever it seems to go hand in hand with the creative personality a lot um the cool thing is when i finally got help for all this stuff it didn't hurt my creativity, you know, and I think that's, that's the dangerous, the dangerous part of the myth, right? Of the, the angst ridden, uh, creative person. 
um, in my case, it was untreated mental illness. Yeah, you know, and plain and, and simple. Yeah, you know, I think it's like he's really moody, or you yeah. know, like he's yeah. a real party sometimes, or whatever. Yeah. And I think certainly a lot of people with bipolar, whether it's one or two, um, there's a lot of self medication in that. Yeah, you know, and I look back on on my behavior earlier in my career, and I was desperately trying to self-medicate uh or i was a hypomanic and i was having myself a time yeah um you, you know. were medic you were medicated when you were oh, like yeah. State. oh yeah. yeah not helpfully no. but certainly um trying to do it so you know did it affect me creatively yes would i have liked to have stayed that way no um, yeah. could i have still been creative without it well clearly yeah um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm a barrel of monkeys, man. I come yeah. with, I come with some stuff that, you know, I think only in my forties, I really realized how to manage, you know? Yeah. yeah. Apologies to a lot of old creative directors. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, shout out Sean King. Um, you know, like the, I was a handful. Yeah. But you know, to your point, you were talented in what you did. Yeah, so. Just talented enough, I think. Um, you know, and, and, you know, not total monster, but, uh, you know, but you know, you know, talking about walking the walk and talking the talk, your example about clients and making them sort of sit up and be honest about where they're at. Yeah. You know, you're doing the same thing. In some ways, I think yeah. it, it actually weirdly makes me better at the of job. Of course. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, you, you know, you're forced to be introspective and you're forced to like build your EQ and all of that stuff in order to function. Yeah. You know, and and I think, you know, maybe that is a way it made me a little better at what I do. But uh, Yeah, I, I often think the purpose in life is just to, to get to the finish line and be the best version of yourself that you can be. Oh, absolutely. You know, not to be too sentimental about things, but why else are we here? So, well, absolutely. You know, it's yeah. funny. <laughs> think about, you know, what's my narrative? And I have a funny feeling I'll yeah. be lying on my deathbed, hopefully a long time from now, and I'll go, oh, yeah. Oh, that was it. That was the story. <laughs> I figured it out because, like, I've improvised my entire life. Like, I don't know how I ended it's up like, in advertising. It's I don't like know the how. end of a Monty Python movie. Yeah, right? yeah. I get right to the end, and it's like, oh, there's your punchline, yeah, pal. And I'm like, it. oh, right on. Yeah, I can't go yet. I got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just gotta land. I don't want to drive. Yeah, I don't want to drive the Audi. I got the <laughs> the answer for that. Can't yeah, my be. worst fear is I'll be lying on my deathbed and I'll go, oh, professional golf. Right. You know, like, <laughs> right. You should have learned, you know. And then with all this, mm -hmm. you work at National. How great have they been throughout this and supporting you? Okay. So I have had a remarkable experience that way at National. I mean, remarkable. Um, the level of compassion, care um, that I've had, uh, the support I've gotten, remarkable. Like, remarkable. Wow. Un incomparable wow. to anywhere else I've worked. Um, you know, it, it's a... Uh, it can't be easy sometimes to have somebody like me on staff and I, I like at the best of times, like, let's take all of the medical conditions out of it. Right. But I mean, that agency, that firm has had my back since I got yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I'm doing the right things. I, I take care of myself. I, you know, chew my meds. I do all the things I need to do to stay well, but those aren't perfect solutions. Like no. shit happens. Yes. Right. And when it does, um, I mean, people have gone to bat for me there, um, to take care of me, to make sure I'm well, to make sure I'm safe. And I don't know if that's true of everywhere I would have worked. I'd like to think it would have been. Sounds like family to me. Uh, pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Although there's the danger of any agency that tells you we're all family here means it's going to be a fucking, it's going to be a fucking sweatshop, you know. But I do feel a um, a, a real uh, 
camaraderie and a real yeah. sense of loyalty. And yeah, you know, like, like I said, they went, shown me incredible compassion and, and that, man, I, I think that's rare. Yeah. And they, and for that, um, you probably work very hard for them and give them your best. I try to, Yeah, you know, I try to, that's how it works. Um, you know, they show up for me, I'm going to exactly. show up for them. Yeah. You know? It's that simple, isn't it? I, I think so. I think so. You know, and again, like I, I could thank them forever for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a really remarkable it's thing. It's so wonderful to hear. Well, just knowing that they've got you. Cause like, you can't fake that. No. no. And it never felt that way. No. Like I really felt like people were legitimately invested in my well being. Yeah. And you know, I've always tried to pass when I was creative director, I wanted to take care of the studio the same way or any of the colleagues. Like there is a real sense at national of we take care of each other. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's the minor stuff like oh, I have too much to do and I need support, but it can also be the heavy stuff. You know, people sometimes have to take a knee yeah, uh, for yeah. personal reasons or health reasons that. or whatever. And we take care of people. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's yeah. baked in there. Yeah. You know? Because that's the moment I think is that you have to step up. I, I hope so. Yeah. You know, I, I would like to think everyone would do that. Yeah. And again, like, I don't want to begrudge any of the other agencies I worked for. I think, you know, I was, I was in there, you know, certain parts of my career, I was a free flowing keg of beer uh, yeah. with untreated mental illness. And I think they well, did their best. I think it's uh, the, the risk of stating the obvious, you had to be in a place to receive that care. You know mm -hmm. exactly what I mean, right? Like if you're oh, still, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a little up and a little down. I don't need any help. Uh, That's I'm, a different program. Right? I'm the temperamental creator. That's right. Who simply must be this way yes. because it's part of my genius. I yeah. was guilty of that bullshit for a long time, but you yeah. do get to a point where you, you kind of go, okay, yeah. like we're going to have to sort this out and really think it through. Yeah. And I was given space to do that. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> I the, love it's the heavy shit, James. It's a heavy, the heavy shit. shit. I got more heavy shit for you. On, and I love this question. What would you say to your younger self? What advice would you give to your younger self now as you sit here? Quit drinking right away. Yes. Don't even start. Yes. Get out as soon Same as you can. Same advice I would give to myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you're really good at this and it's a bad thing to be really He's good fine. at. Uh, I think that would be number one. Number two, I think I would hope that I would be able to help myself mature earlier as a creative. I think I got caught up in a lot of the sort of creative chauvinism within an agency. Like this place wouldn't exist if we weren't making stuff and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I, listen, I was hard on account people. Uh, I really was like, I, I was rough. That's exactly where I went. You <laughs> yeah. said that. Yeah. Yeah. I was rough. I was rough on my account people. And I, I look back on that now, if I could pull myself aside, I'm interesting, it, dude, they're equal partners, right? You don't get to do the stuff if they're not out there doing their thing, you know? And yeah. if, if you don't like how they're doing it, well, guess what it's on you to help educate them yes you know so i, I guess beyond really, just yelling at them yeah i mean i said terrible shit about account people <laughs> when i was a junior i remember once referring to somebody as a fax machine with a tie ian says he's sorry yeah i really do for those of you i haven't made amends with uh please line up outside my house i'll be taking guests for the next six days um <laughs> yeah but it, it is yeah i think younger younger ian could have learned a lot from just recognizing how full of shit younger Ian was. So this is another another question I have. I wanted to make sure I got in here. You work at a large agency. Yeah. And you guys do award-winning work. Mm -hmm. Many have told me that's not possible when you get to an agency that size. How do you, how does that work that you still are able to put out award-winning work in an agency the size of national public? The same way it always does. Develop yeah. a partnership with yeah. your client. You know, like the size of the agency uh, sometimes means you're not maybe as nimble 
or or even reckless as you'd like to be. Yes. And that's fine. Uh, it just means maybe you have to work a little harder. And you know how it is. You know, yeah. you do a lot of work every year and every once in a while there's a shiny object. Yeah. And you and you you spot it and you lean into it. Um, and if you're leaning into it because you want to win awards, I look back on that now and I'm like, you're an asshole. <laughs> Like, not, there it is. Clyde's there it is. not paying me to like line my walls with trophies, you know, like, <laughs> but sometimes you'll see a thing that is so cool and makes so much sense strategically that you can't help but do it. And one of the examples I always look back on is um, for credit unions for Atlantic Central, our yes, client, we yes. did the lost wallet experiment. Yeah. That was a doodle on the wall as part of a uh, campaign development. Like what happens if we just lost a bunch of wallets and, and wanted to see, you know, would people return them? Are Atlantic Canadians as honest and fair as, yeah. as we like to believe? Um, and they went for it, mm. you know, and it worked like gangbusters. And because the nature of a PR firm means we can really ramp up, um, you know, who gets to hear about it. It, yes. it really took off. But that was one of those things where the relationship with the client was trusting enough um, that we could come in with an idea like that. You know, that's a big shop coming in with a risky concept, yeah. um, but it can be done. It yeah. just, it just, again, it all comes down to have you made your client a partner and are your motivations pure? Yeah. And I think also touching on what you were talking about earlier, going through that whole process and being open with that process and getting the client talking mm-hmm. and then being honest about what drops out. Yeah. And I think there's some campaigns that lend themselves to awards and mm-hmm. to benefiting the client and there's some that don't. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, early in my career I was a I was an award hunter. Oh, you yes. know, like it was a way to build a career as a creative. Um There was a period of time there that's all we wanted to do. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was it was, it was quite a time. Yes, um, it was. And again, like not to denigrate any of those past experiences, because all of them were rooted in some kind of strategy um, that was smart and agreed upon. And we were able to go for them. Um, But yeah, sometimes I look back on that. Food bar. Yeah. Oh, food bar. Oh my God. Wasn't that a great campaign? Yeah. The great reasons to smoke campaign is, is, ah, we were reliving that again, Sean King and I, and and he he was talking about, you know, they're, they're filming, they're with FUBA. It's not working. They're trying to get them to read scripts. And the director's like, look, these guys are improv guys. Uh Let's just let them go off the chain. Absolutely gold oh yeah it was amazing yeah. i wish i'd had a piece of that i uh tyson and i came in right as that was happening and i remember seeing that campaign develop and, and seeing what became of it and going oh man we're in the right place yes like, yes if this is the kind of work we we can do here um this is gonna be great i can know? remember uh i can remember talking to tyson before he went when you guys went to extreme yeah yeah, yeah. and everybody was leaving ccl on mass <laughs> yeah and he goes, yeah, no, not much going on here. You might want to call someone extreme. <laughs> yeah. Hung uh, up. Yeah. That was, uh, that was funny. I mean, you know, again, in defense of CCL at that time, they yes. were going through their own evolution. Oh, yeah. Right. And yeah. it just wasn't the right place for us. I mean, and, and you know, Sean King had something special going on in those, those days of extreme. And I learned an awful lot about how to be a creative director from that guy. And I yeah. think there's a lot of creative directors in this city would say the same thing. Yes. Because like Extreme's class of 2008 or whatever, half the creative directors in this city. And yeah, Sean created an environment where really good work could happen. Yeah, I've often said to him that I thought his real talent is identifying talent 
in other people. Oh yeah. He's got a gift for it. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about spotting ideas from him. Right. You know, when you come in with your, well, I call them the ugly babies, your yes. big stack of half thought out notions and you yes. can sit down with your creative director and try to figure out what it was. John was really good at, he taught me two things. Don't waste time on the stuff you don't want to explore. Like just kill it and move on. Yeah. But if there is something on the table that has the shiny glow, figure out how to push it figure out how to turn it, figure out how to do something with it. Yeah. Cause sometimes it is this like, you know, again, the ugly babies. It's yeah. this weird notion you have on a piece of paper that yeah. you don't see the thing. He says, and he probably said this to you too. He has this thing that happens where he'll the get hair, hair stands stand up, up on, on his arm. arms. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, you learn something from all your creative yes, directors you do. and you know, I've had some really good ones and I've had some not so great ones that I learned different things That's from. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Extreme, that was a special time in that agency. Yeah. I think it was a really cool collection of people who were in there. Like, yeah. again, if you look at who was there and where they are, um, yeah. it was a pretty good crew of people passing through that place. And it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of great work came here. Yeah. During that period, one other little anecdote, and I will make it in, but I remember being there on a Friday afternoon. This is at the height of, you know, we were reviewing some job or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they looked at one of the production artists and said, you know, you should take tomorrow off. <laughs> and they're like, uh, it tomorrow's Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was just a factory by that point. We worked pretty hard. I mean, oh yeah, you so played hard, but you worked very hard. That was it. I mean, Tyson and I. Uh, there was a stretch where we worked every weekend for six months. You know, wow. um, and that was just the way it was. And yeah. a lot of that was voluntary. Yeah. It was like, oh, it was. Well, can we push this? You know, um, I remember having discussions with Jeff Simpson, him bragging about working a hundred hours last week. Oh yeah. Well, okay, and. <laughs> That's a whole other part of this business, right? right? That's the sickness at the yes. end of the business is yes. like, I admire the people who crank the hours and, yeah. and a lot of them who are doing it for passion and stuff like that. I'm like, God bless you. But I also think there is this weird competition, like who can work the most hours? And yeah. I'm like, really? Are you doing your best work when you cross <laughs> exactly. over like 70 hours? Exactly. Like, I can't even speak after 70 oh, hours. No, yeah. Like my brain effectively turns into jelly at 3 PM. You yeah. know, I'm like, you know, I'll hang in there. I'll do what needs to be done. Yeah. But my goodness, like I'm never going to be like high five, 75 five hours like i yeah you know just gave up my 40s you yeah. know like no no no, no do, fun. do the time you need to do to do the best work you can for the client but, but it's you know it that's the business right it will it gets on you but i think that's again like one of the things i love about national is that we do do things that actually do make a difference yes. like you do work on pieces of business which may not be a creative home run yeah. Um, if we're strictly measuring it by craft and award potential, but you're working on something that has like societal benefit. Yes. You know, whether you're working on an immigration campaign or you're doing something health related or, or whatever. I'm glad you said that because I feel like that's a badge of honor. I feel like we have skills that we can really help people with and, oh, have, absolutely. and have helped people with in the past and will again. Well, and to be clear, you know, if, if your quarterly sales are the most important thing to you, then we're going to get you there yeah. um, but it's really nice knowing that that work is balanced by things that have impact yeah. you know in the city yeah. um, and we're lucky enough to get to work on a lot of those things yeah. and we're in the background on them like we're not out yeah. front going look at us we did no, a thing like no. 
if we've done our job properly, um, the client's the hero. And, and you're invisible. Yeah, we're invisible. Yeah. We're in the background just waving. So will you tell us a little bit about what your interests are outside of advertising. Okay, so anyone who's known me for a while will know I go on these kicks, like yeah. where I'll, I'll develop a, a, like a little interest in something and then immediately take it too far. So... Right. Up until I was diagnosed with MS, uh, example was running. Like I was like, <laughs> I, I, I kind of like you are an epic runner. Uh huh. Like I went from you know I think it'd be cool to be able to run 5K to you know what 50K seems like a reasonable seems amount. Of, yeah, it was like in the yeah. space of two years, right? I did the same thing. So that makes total sense to me. But. Oh yeah, you know, and like uh, I did it with bow hunting. Like I'm yeah. like, you know, bow hunting sounds interesting. And then you know, three months later, I'm standing with a recurve bow somewhere. You know cosplaying as a hunter in the woods. I never hit anything, yeah. but I taught myself everything about it. Yeah. Baseball, same thing. What is it about baseball? We were just talking about this before we started. Yeah, well, it's funny. I came to baseball late. Um, I didn't get into baseball into my 40s. Really? Like, oh, yeah. No, I mean, I used to make fun of baseball. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like a uh, like combat sports guy. Like, mm -hmm. uh, nothing made me happier than watching two people choke each other out in an <laughs> octagon or something like that. Like, yeah. that's where my head was. Yeah. And I guess I mellowed. I, I know I mellowed and it's the weirdest thing. Like there's a pattern in all of these stories of me sort of having a, Oh, I think I'll go do this thing. And baseball was one of those. I woke up one morning and it was like something out of bull Durham. I was like, you must learn about baseball. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was, but like I go deep on the this things when after your boys were born. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is at national. Um, wow. yeah, it was the funniest thing. I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever really thought about baseball. Yeah. And because of me, I go from, Hey, baseball's kind of interesting to, I've read every book about baseball. Yes. I've read all the theory, you know, whatever. So I got deep into it. And I think, and you know, this as a fan, it's fascinating, Yes, you know, and all of, like, it's a team sport full of individual duels and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild. And I think by virtue of being a, a slower paced game, um, it's not constant you know gratification you know you're waiting for something. oh there's all this negative space oh yeah it's beautiful well and the cliche that it's a game about failure yeah. um, really appeals to me like i'm like yes it's terrible it's impossible to do yes, well so yes. when you see somebody kill it you're like shit that's like watching somebody fly it's you know like yeah, yeah you're like oh my god you know walk off home run yeah. by the rookie or whatever like that's romantic. You yes. know? And I think that appealed to me. Um, right. It starts as a, ah, you know, a little voice in my head going, you should learn about baseball. And next thing I know I'm at, you know, the longest gaze. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm out coaching yeah. in Dunedin, uh, you know, yeah. and, and that's true of most of the things I've, I've gotten into the longest standing one though. And I think you'll find this is true of all copywriters is writing. Yeah. You know, I was writing long before I, I became an advertising guy. Like I wrote short stories. I, I was a poet poet like yeah. i have a collection out there um you know i'm anthologized uh and that stuff is sort of the creative through line uh, i always said this to creative people like do not count on agency life for spiritual gratification no. as a creative yeah. it's, it's amen it's an unfair thing to expect of a business so make sure you've got something on the outside that is yours yeah. whether it's painting or writing or whatever and I, I held on to writing it's it's always sort of humming around in the background do you go turn to it on a regular basis uh as much as i can yeah um you know it's funny again i ebb and flow i wish i was one of those writers who's like oh, i get up at five o'clock in the morning and i crank a thousand words and blah 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 i'm not cool story bro um, yeah cool yeah. story 
story, bro. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen King. Yeah. Um, I, I think a, a seasonal writer, I go through bursts. Uh, yeah. And I've gotten a lot more into it again in the last year. Uh, something about being diagnosed with a life-changing illness yeah, will refocus do your, your efforts. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm back at it in a much more serious way than I have been probably in at least a decade um, because I didn't want to lose that. Yeah. And like I said, you know, um, something like MS is cruel. It takes things away how over did, time. How are you dealing with that? Is that all? Well, listen, I'm lucky. Um, I've got the quote, good kind, yeah. uh, the, the stuff that comes and goes. Um, so, you know, uh, good days and bad days. Um, one of the things I think a lot of people with MS suffer from, and I know I do, is fatigue. Yeah. Um, it was part of how I figured out I was getting it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was this long distance runner who was starting to choke yeah. um, at like a 10K run or, or whatever. I was like, what's going on here? Right. Um, it turned out I was starting to gas. Right. And and so the, I think one of the hardest things to manage is is that level of fatigue because I'm still learning how to pace myself because yeah. I'm not particularly good at moderation. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, so it, it's it's been a challenge. I mean, it was insidious. It came up over time. I'm very late in life to be diagnosed and it only really became obvious in the last couple of years. Has it affected my work? It changes the way I work, yeah. um, but it doesn't affect the quality of my work. And again, you know, I'm lucky, man. I got in on a program for like a wonder drug. And wow. It's like last week of being able to get that's into this fantastic. program. Yeah. Um, and that's made a huge difference. And again, because I have the quote, good kind that comes and goes, yeah. it can be gone for quite a while. Wow. And then every once in a while, you're like, huh, my arm's numb. Yeah. Wonder what that's all about. Or I've got brain fog or man, I'm gassing walking to the end of my driveway. Yeah. And, you know, again, maybe this hybrid work life we live in now is, is made that a lot easier because if I'm having a, a bad MS day, I'll stay home, you know, yeah. work from home, take care of myself, still make my deadlines and get the work done, but just change the way I work. Yeah. You know, so it's, it. <sighs> You know, it's almost a year ago today that I had my first MRI that kind of confirmed that this is what it was. Um, that's rough. Yeah. You know? And I didn't really come to terms with how rough that was until relatively recently. Like, mm -hmm. again, it's the same part of my mind that allows me to break myself on a long run. Um, I was kind of like, I can take it on. You yeah. know, like I will, <laughs> I will choke MS out and yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. You can't, you know, so it took a long time to kind of come to terms with that. And like I said, you know, every once in a while it'll wash over me rather be like, oh man, this sucks. Yeah. Um, but then the rest of the time, it's just another thing. Yeah. You know, it's part of the challenges we're all facing. But it, yeah, exactly. And I and I can hear it in your voice that you've chosen the path, the positive path. What else are you going to do? Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I, I had a great conversation. Um, Sarah Young. Uh, you know, former managing partner yeah. of National Lank, still involved, um, said something to me after I got diagnosed that I will take to with me everywhere, which is you can choose the path of angst or you can choose the path of opportunity. Pretty sure she's the Dalai Lama. That woman is remarkable. Yeah. Um, probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life and, and a really great mentor to me. Yeah. Uh, like, and a lot of people I think would say that, but that thing, it was over a cup of coffee when I was trying to figure out how to handle all this. It's like, yeah. you can choose angst or you can choose opportunity. Wow. And I was like, yep, opportunity. I'm going to change the way I work. I'm going to switch my position. I'm going to re-engage myself with writing. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, why me? Um, yeah. Like, why not me? And you again, know? they were there for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, every, everybody there, you know, I always felt 
taken care of. And again, you know, I, I take care of my side of the fence too, right? Like I, I try to stay as healthy as I can. I yeah. do what I need to do so that it doesn't become somebody else's problem. Mm, good but point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, again, I have the luxury of being able to do that. I'm in good health. Yeah. Um, I have a supportive company. I am being extremely uh, well taken care of from a medical point of view. Yeah. Most people would never notice. Um, no. But every once in a while, it gets rough. You know, and and again, I just adjust how I work, you know, and, and the agency knows that about me. Yeah. And I love this openness, you know, because by you talking about it, you don't know who else you're going to help, you know, by you saying like, I'm willing to talk about this. Uh, I think it's huge. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I try to do that with all of those little foibles, you know, like I'm really open about substance abuse. Yeah. People know. I don't, yeah, I don't pretend it's not there. Um, I'm really open about mental health. Um, you know, and sometimes I would second guess myself. I'd be like, is this emotional exhibitionism? Right. Or, or is there value in this? Why am I talking about this? And enough people have connected with me because I'm open about it to talk about what they're dealing with. There you go. And, and that's amazing. And the MS thing as well. I mean, there's, I think there's only like 2 million of us worldwide who have right. it, right? right? It's not a lot of people. There's a big concentration of them here in Nova Scotia for some reason. Yeah, yeah. vitamin D, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, but I'm open about it. Like, yeah. why would I hide it? You yeah. know, why like, would you? What, what's the point of that? You know, I, I don't want to be the cousin locked in the attic. I mean, no. as well, <laughs> might as no. well talk about it, get yeah. it out in the open. Yeah, man, this has been great. Thank you. I've been real. I was really looking forward to this, and it, it's just been uh, it's been fantastic chat. Yeah. Well, listen, James, I'm I'm really happy to do this here at your media empire. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was it was really great. I think these conversations are always really interesting because they help you clarify things. Yeah. I mean, I learn something every time, and um, you know, as we go through this, it's just it's a great way to reacquaint with people too. Oh, know? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're still in this crazy business. <laughs> So, well, where else are we going to go? No, I have nowhere else to go. Yeah, dude, I've tried to leave. I don't know how many times. Everything else is slow and boring and whatever. Agency is its own drug. Yeah. You know? All right, man. Thanks again. Thank you. Okay, that's it for us. Bye for now. We really love hearing these stories from our creative community. So stay tuned as we will be inviting more folks to come and chat with us. This podcast has been brought to you by Jive Photographic Productions. From branding images to droning to podcasts, we are your one-stop shop for multimedia. Want to learn more? Check out jivephotographic.com. Until next time, keep it creative.